Good morning, everyone. We are glad that you are here. What a great day it is to be in the house of the Lord, to worship with my brothers and sisters, and just be able to, uh, to hear God's word and to be able to fellowship. Um, I love church. Sundays are my, my most favorite day of the week. Is the, we only got one amen on that one. All right, so just thank you, Christy. They don't know. Where's that amen sign on the bulletin? Anyway, so we're glad that you guys are here. Um, of course, this is, um, you know, we're excited that tomorrow is New Year's, aren't we? And how many of you guys are staying up late to make New Year's resolutions? All right, like there is zero people in the house going to be making New Year's. The only reason why Lori and I would stay up is because our kids will be up and just for a little um, parental guidance. It's the only reason we will be up as well. Otherwise, we would be in bed at 10 o'clock. So today we're going to talk about finding success in the new year. I, I love New Year's resolutions. Most of them are just lies that we tell ourselves, aren't, aren't they? They really are. We just say, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and it never really turns out. So I wanted to share with you the top 10 resolutions um, in the United States. So this, this is not biblical, okay? So this is not the Word of God. Uh, so the first one is, the first most common one is exercise more. Uh, most of us are going to go buy a gym, exer or gym membership, or we're going to start working out for two weeks, and then we're going to quit, uh, if we make it two weeks. The next one, lose weight. Uh, that is such an exciting one. Uh, so exciting when someone wants to go take you out to the buffet, and you say, no, I'm just eating salad today. Uh, it's crazy. Get organized. Uh, learn a new skill or hobby. Uh, live life to the fullest. I can, I can do that as long as we're in Christ on that one. Uh, save more money, spend less money, quit smoking, spend more time with family and friends, travel more, and read more. Those are the top 10 popular ones in the United States that people are going to be saying that they're going to be doing. Uh, it, it's, we, we make New Year's resolutions every year, and most of the time we don't follow through. Uh, we're, we're, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But there's a story I want to tell you real quick before I get into my sermon. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Joshua's in the Old Testament. Um, if you have your, biblical, your, your Bible on the app, it's really easy. But Joshua 1, 8, that's where we're going to be at for today. So I'm, I'm a guy that um, I like to set goals. I, I have a five-year goal plan. I always have a five-year plan. Uh, I, I don't know why, because my five-year plans never work out. Uh, I never get to that point, uh, and my wife kind of makes fun of me setting my five-year plan, so I'll sit her down and say, hey, let's, let's figure out our five-year plan. She says, why? Why are we doing this? Because it makes us look organized. Um, anyway, so there was one year, several years back in Kansas, we were in Chinook, Kansas, and my, my mom and dad lived at Parsons, Kansas, about 35 miles away. I got a, a brand new bike. It's one of those Trek bikes. I spent like $650 on this bicycle. Um, absolutely stupid. Uh, now that I look at it, because I didn't use it very much. And so one of my goals was, before the end of the summer, was to bike from our house to my mom and dad's house and surprise them. 35 miles, not very, Kansas is very flat. It's very easy to get around. You know, there's one highway. All you got to do is go down this highway and it's a piece of cake. Um, the last day of summer comes, and I, say, I tell, tell Lori, I say, hey, I need to go. I'm going to bike. I'm going to go to my mom and dad's house today. Um, it, it's whatever last day of summer is. I don't know what it is. Uh, it, it's 107 degrees outside. Yes. Yeah, guys are not always the most smartest, I admit. Um, the humidity in Kansas was very, very high. And my wife kept on saying, Michael, I don't think you should do this. You should not go. Don't worry about, your, don't worry about the goal. Don't worry about seeing your parents' just drive. You want to go see your mom and dad's drive and go see them, and you'll be good. I said, honey, I know what I'm doing. Trust me. Trust me. 
So, as many of you know, who, when you said that to our wives, not a good thing. So, and she, one of the words as I started trekking off in my, on my trek, she, this is the great words of wisdom for my wife. Well, if you need me, don't call me. Got, Whoa, that's love from my wife. And, uh, okay, well, I'm not going to call her. I'm going to make it. So, I, I start trekking along. I go down 169. And you don't realize how hilly Kansas is until you're on a bicycle. You know, I mean, you think it's flat, you think it's boring, and a lot of it is boring, but it was horrible. I bought one of those special seats for your bottom, so you're not supposed to get all sore. Well, that didn't work. Um, so I get, I get 15 miles into Erie, Kansas, and Erie, I, I finally stop. I'm, I'm, what? Oh, whatever. There. Wrong highway. There. My wife remembers the story. I told you we need to talk about the story before, we, before I preach. What? Well, Who's got the microphone? Uh, anyway, no, I'm just joking. So I'm stopping Thayer, Kansas. I'll hear about that later. I stop in Thayer, Kansas, and I'm thinking, and people are stopping. They say, man, you need a drink. You're all right. He says, no, I'm good. I'm just dying. I am just absolutely collapsing. I can tell I'm getting way overheated. I'm already sunburned for 15 miles. I have no idea how long it took me. And uh, I finally, and I don't know if we had cell phones back in those days. I, I don't know if we had, I don't think I had a cell phone. It would be really big if we did. Um, so I, so I thought, well, I can't call my wife. You know, I, I'm kind of given out now. I, I'm not going to call my wife. I'm not going to let her know that I didn't make it to my mom and dad's house. So what is the best, most logical thing a guy is supposed to do? So I called my mama. I, I called my mom. I said, hey, mom, will you come get me? I'm in there. I'm stranded. And she said, well, Mike, what happened? I said, well, you just won't believe what happened, mom. So, uh, of course, I had to make it a little uh, a better story than what it was. And uh, my mom, bless her little heart, she came, she got me, she bought me a, a Dr. Pepper, and she brought me home, uh, she fed me, and then she drove me all the way back to my home, into my house. And of course, my wife is there, and she sees me and my mom pull up, and there's the comments to begin. Um, not the smartest thing I've ever done in my life, but it makes a great sermon illustration now, and it's based on a true story. Uh, but the thing I want to point out today is there's a lot of times in our lives that we get caught up in making New Year's resolutions. We get caught up doing new things in our lives. And many of these things that we get caught up doing are sometimes not the most important things in our lives as well. We, we get caught up in what the world is saying we should be doing and really not what God says we should be doing today. So what I want to do is focus on some scriptures. So Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says this, Study the book of instruction continually meditated on day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it only then you will prosper and succeed and you and you will do it so have you ever been in a place that you have to replace a legend uh, maybe it's your job that you, someone is retiring maybe someone's moving forward and you have to replace this person's position it's interesting john adams did he replaced george washington as the president of the united states George Washington was deeply loved by the country. He led the Continental Army. He was in the Revolutionary War. He was America's first greatest president. He was universally cherished and celebrated. And Washington was the first leader of the nation ever to volunteer to step down. And here we have John Adams come into the, into the realm. He's a politician. He's a diplomat. But he was aloof and he was not warmly welcomed by his own political party. He seemed a bit distant from the American people, and he was opposed to going, he was opposed by Alexander Hamilton and defeated by the re-election. Today we are going to look at going at Mo, Joshua, who is replacing Moses. I don't know if you know Moses. Moses is one of the heroes of the faith. 
I, I love Moses. I love the guys of the, of the Old Testament, also New Testament, though, those people that we have to remember. One thing I think we do, we put these guys on pedestals. We put these guys in a place that I can never do what those guys were chosen to do. I can never do, I can never have that type of faith what those people had. I want you to understand today, if you don't get anything out of my sermon, hopefully you get a lot more out of my sermon than I think, but if you, if you need to hear something, that faith is one step at a time. You can become like the men and the women of faith in the book, book of Hebrews, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, if you just believe in God and you trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. You can be one of those people that people would look to you and look for wisdom and spiritual guidance to on a daily basis. It takes one step at a time. These guys heard the word of God. They heard God's voice and they listened and they obeyed. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how Moses was like George Washington. He was, he was very known. He was a friend of God. He was the one that worked, walked with the burning, or he didn't walk with the burning bush, but he saw the burning bush, and he saw how God's hand was mighty with the Israelites. And here we have Joshua. Joshua comes onto the scene. He's a young guy, and now he is supposed to take over for Moses. How do you follow in someone's footsteps? Have you ever been expected to follow in someone's footsteps? Quick story. So my second church back in Chinook, Kansas, where I did my bicycle run, there was a pastor who was there for 43 years. And then I came in after him, and I was supposed to follow and lead the congregation and do discipleship and all this kind of stuff. And then it, completely different from Wyoming, we wore suits every single Sunday. And it was a three-piece suit. Even if you're special, you had the little vest on, and so on and so forth. And this guy, his name was Edgar Rains, awesome guy. He would even mow his yard, in his, mow his lawn in his suit. So you would walk by, and this is the guy I'm supposed to follow. He would, you would walk by his house, and I would say, hey, Edgar, can I help you out? No, Michael, no, I got this. It needs to be done my way, okay? It says something right there. So he's mowing. And so one day I ask him, because there's a couple of Sundays I didn't wear a tie, and I got to talk to you about it afterwards. Um, I asked him, I said, Edgar, why are you always in a suit? He said, Michael, you have to realize in ministry, you always have to be ready. No matter what the situation, there may be an emergency, and you always got to be ready. All right, as you can tell, I didn't completely follow Edgar's advice on wearing a suit every day. But it's interesting that when you have to follow someone else's footsteps, sometimes you question your, how you're going to be successful in the, in, the, in the circumstances that God has brought you to. Joshua was, was asking the same question. Joshua, to, to find out, didn't need a large army or a strong army. He didn't need an excellent cabinet to help them administrate the life of Israel. He didn't need legislation skills or diplomacy. He didn't need fiery speeches, which I'm sure Moses had. He needed the Word of God. God's recipe for success for his new leader was stick close to the Word of God. And I, find, I tell my friends that this is the scripture, this is what we're going to study about today, is studying the Word of God and have the importance of studying the Word of God. Now, just for a moment, and, and as, as Michael has said, as I have said in the past, we do, I do not want to make you guilty, feel guilty at all. That is not my job to make you feel guilty, Okay convicted by the Holy Spirit is different from guilty guilt from the world. So, but I would just want to ask you a question. I'm probably going to get out of my notes. Um, how, how much time do we spend on Facebook? 
How much time do we spend on Instagram, uh, on Twitter, and, and all the other things that we do just on social media today? We spend a lot of time. Uh, I, I know my phone gives me a little update on, on every day or every week how much I spend on those types of social medias. I'm thinking, man, that's a lot of time sometimes. But I just want to ask you a question. How much time do we spend in the Word of God? So this is one of those basic biblical sermons today. It's talking about studying and being in the Word of God. And I want to eliminate the first lie that Satan is going to put into your head. Well, you can't understand the Bible. That is a bunch of baloney. It, it really is. It, it, the, the, the Bible was a letter written to people who God loved, who God cherished. And he wants you to understand what he has to say. So you can truly, truly understand the Bible. You don't have to go to a four-year Bible college. You don't have to have a, a, a doctorate in, in, in theology or anything like that. The Word of God was written for people to be able to understand on a daily basis. So to, to get out of that your, your mind that I can't understand the Scriptures. Don't get me wrong. There's some very theological depth, in-depth Scriptures that are very hard to handle. But there's also some great Scriptures that are very entwined where we are in our biblical faith at this very moment in time. Jesus loves you. How hard is that to understand? Sometimes it's hard to understand. Because you know who you are. You know who I am. It's hard to understand and understand the concept of how much God loves us. I can make you a promise today, nothing will, nothing will do more for your life in the 2019 than to read, meditate, and supply, and, and understand, and apply the Word of God today. You can do nothing else that's more important than study the Word of God. Nothing will bring you more growth to our church in 2019 than to read, meditate, and apply the Word of God. Nothing will do more in good in your family in 2019 than to read, meditate, and apply the Word of God every day. Nothing will be better for your job to understand and meditate the Word of God. Man, there are some scriptures. I love memorizing scripture. Um, and th those are scriptures that get me through my day. When I'm having a difficult time, I'm able to quote those scriptures and remind myself the promises that God has made me. You know, one of my favorite scriptures, James chapter 1. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Three great sermon points right there. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. How easy is it to do that? Great Scott, it's hard. How, he, how, how easy is it to be quick to listen? Who wants to listen? I'd rather talk. I would rather educate. I would rather lecture. Wouldn't you? If you're a parent, I know where you're at. You know, be quick to listen, slow to speak. How many of us are really good at slow and speak? No. It's slow to become angry. Well, it's my right as an American to get angry. Right? We Americans, we have rights at everything now. Doesn't make sense. I won't go political, but anyway. So I guess I thank you. <laughs> we get lots of feedback. It, it's interesting, though. The more that we study the Word of God, the more we memorize the Word of God, the more that we're able to walk with God and get us through those difficult situations. So I want you to understand that as we go through the sermon today. So Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says this. Study the book of instruction continually. Meditate it on day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. I want to break this down and uncover the four truths that God has us for today. God's word can give you a successful life. 
The reality today, though, most Christians, 25% of Christians, do not even read their Bible ever. They don't even know what the Word of God has to say. And, and we wonder sometimes why we feel distance from God. We wonder why we, where the voice of God is when we are not even willing to get into the Word and see what He has to say. No wonder we feel like God's Word doesn't speak to our lives because we don't know what He has to say to us. I want to see that the Bible is incredible, powerful, and meaningful in your life today. We can see this based on God's told Joshua about his word. What was Joshua's deep desire? He wanted to succeed. How many of you guys want to succeed in life? Raise your hand. If you don't, we're going to pray for you afterwards. All right? If you don't want to succeed in life, we really need to talk. But this is Joshua's desire in life to succeed. His desire was to be able to follow Moses and lead the people into the, the promised land. How many of you would want to, to fail going into the promised land? Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land. And here Joshua was able to go into the promised land. He was going to be able to take his people where God or where Moses was not able to go. So here's a goal for me as a father. I want my children, I want their faith to be stronger than my faith. Amen. I want their lives to be more prosperous than mine. I want them to be able to defeat the enemies of Satan and move into the territory that I was never able to get into. That is my prayers for my children. And that's going to be your prayers for your children. And don't get stopped there. We can clap. It's all right. But here's the thing. I want my wife to also, her faith to be greater than my faith. I want her to be able to move like never before. Those are the things that we want to see. We want to be successful in the year 2019, the rest of our lives, wherever you are. And the thing is, where do you base your success out of? Do you base it upon the world standards, having money, 401k, house paid off, two cars, 3.84 children, or whatever it is now, probably 1.6, whatever, that statistics probably change. You know, is our, is our success based upon the world standards or our standards based upon what God says in his word? And the thing is, if we don't know what the Word of God says, our, our value is going to be based upon what the world says. You are not successful if you don't have 1,000 Facebook friends. You are not successful if you don't have 44 likes in, in 35 minutes. If your streaks are not powerful in one day, they are not followed, then you're a loser. These are some of the things I catch on with my kids. I don't know what streaks are still. As long as you're not streaking, we're good. I think that terminology kind of changed over the time. I don't want to say no streaking. Streak all you want, but not streaking. If you're young, just Google it later and you'll find out. All right. So here's the thing, though. We want to be successful in our life. Joshua wanted to be, Joshua wanted to be successful in calling from, calling from his people. Israel was ready to enter the promised land. This is 100 years of fulfillment to go into the promised land, and Joshua was finally able to bring the people in. As we look at this, success comes through hearing, knowing, and obeying the Word of God. Let me just repeat that, because I know sometimes we're slow. Success comes through hearing, knowing, and obeying the Word of God. That is success, my friends. Not how much money you have in the bank account, not if you have a job, not if you, whatever it is what the world says. This is the success according to Scriptures. So Joshua 1.8 says this, Study the book of instructions continuously. Meditate on it day on day and night, so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then you will prosper and succeed in all that you do. Look at those two words. Only then you will prosper and succeed in all you do. 
Okay, I'm not telling you that man, you start studying the Word of God, you're going to get lots of money. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not talking about the prosperity thing, uh, theology, things to that degree. But God's Word will truly bring void to where the void is in your life. He will bring completeness and completion in your life where there is void. So wherever you think success is, let's see what the Word of God has to say. Joshua would only find success if he learned from God's Word first. If he did the things on his own, he would fail. How many of us fail when we do things on our own? I tell you, my friends, every day, thinking, oh, well, Oprah told me to do this, so it's got to be right. <laughs> you know, how many times we quote people from different popular things, our sports athletes, or, or whatever it is, because they're so wise, and they think, if I just follow their advice, and things are going to be good, absolutely false. If he didn't have to look for proof. His mentor, Moses, has succeeded when he listened to God, and when failed, he refused to follow God's commandments. Similarly, when the Israelites did what God told them, they had success, and when they didn't listen to God, they had failure. When you go against Scripture, you will fail every time. The consequences may not be immediate, but they will be at some point in your life. You will have failure. So let's take a quick diagnosis of our lives. Do you feel like you're falling failing or succeeding in life? Do you really feel like you're having a successful life or do you feel like you're failing in life? Do you feel like your marriage is sputtering or thriving? I, I'll tell you, my friends, man, Lori went to Oklahoma and Kansas to visit her mom and dad and our kids couldn't get off work uh, because of the schedule, so I stayed with the kids. I didn't want my kids home alone seven days without mom and dad, which is not wise. Um, <laughs> So they're, they're good kids, but so Lori went back, she visited her mom, she visited my mom and dad, she came back, I will tell you, it was a beautiful sight to see my wife come home Friday night. So exciting to see her after seven days. You know, first of all, because we, we, were, we were hungry. I mean, we were, we were hungry people. I mean, pizza only goes so far. You know, Patty and Alan, bless their little hearts, wherever they had us for Thanksgiving. Praise God, they let us take leftovers, you know. I was, what did I say? Oh, I said Thanksgiving. You can tell I'm off my notes. Christmas, we were there for Christmas too. <clears throat> but what a blessing it is to be able to have her come home and, and know the, the joy of our marriage that we have, that we can be separated for seven days, long seven days, but I'm excited my wife comes home. I know there's some marriages you think, oh, the spouse is coming home. This is not good. You know, that's our, our lives today in America. So do you feel clueless about your future, frustrated about your career or the lack of career? Do you feel helpless and hopeful in your parenting? Have you had a negative answer in any of those areas? <coughs> Excuse me. Now I wonder, are you learning from God's words? Are you consulting from people who know the scriptures? And are you living according to biblical principles? Those things are tied up into our lives. Our life, our marriage, they represent who we are and whether we are following the scriptures. If you aren't finding success in your life, then it's probably because you aren't listening to and obeying God's word. Okay. That hurt, didn't it? All right, let me just read that again because you didn't get hurt. <laughs> My job is to not hurt you. <clears throat> if you aren't finding success in your life, then it's probably because you aren't listening to and obeying God's word. Because you're comparing your life to the success of the world, not to the success of biblical principles. That's where we are. I will feel like a complete failure if I compare my life to the world standards today. 
but I will look like a, a rich king, a rich prince, let's say that way, if I compare myself to biblical standards, because I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I don't have all the things of the world, and I'll tell you, my friends, I don't want all the things of the world, but I want the things of God. And when I have the things of God, I will be successful. And don't get me wrong, am I going to stumble and fall and not every, all the time do what the Word of God says? I will. I, I, Michael and I was talking this morning, I love 2 John. 2 John chapter 2 says this, don't sin, don't do it. I love that, it's pretty easy. Okay, tell me what I'm supposed to do, tell me what I'm not supposed to do. But then it goes on and says, if you do, you have a great advocator, Jesus Christ. You have one who stands there for you. So I know that if I sin, and tell me if you're my friends, I'm going to sin, I'm going to fall short, but God Christ is standing there in my presence, in my substitution, in my acts. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. If you aren't finding success in your life, and maybe because you aren't listening to the Word of God, I want to notice that God's words to Joshua were, limited to, were not limited to spiritual things. Certainly Joshua was about to experience <clears throat> much more than joy in his spiritual life, excuse me, of being connected with the Word of God. And in the same way, if you are reading your Bible regularly, thinking through it, applying it to your life, then you will feel closer to God too. But this promise won't just limit you to spiritual blessings. God's Word can help us in non-spiritual things as well. Do you know the Bible talks about marriage? It talks about friendship. The Bible talks about career. The Bible talks about money. The Bible talks about the future. The, money t- the Bible talks about love and romance. And the list goes on and on of what the scriptures have to talk about. And in our, in our society today, man, you've got the Bible app. It is so easy to Google what the Bible says about romance with your wife. What the Bible says about money and your finances. It is so easy to now look up things in our lives compared to what it used to be 20 years ago with Strong's Exhaustive Concordances. There was this huge book that had every single stinking reference of the Bible in it. And it was hundreds and hundreds of pages. It was, it was not my favorite book in the world. But it helped me find things. For example, in the Bible, he, Proverbs chapter 11, 24, and 25. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others themselves will be refreshed. Very practical proverb for the power of generosity. A generous person becomes more wealthy, and a generous person prospers. The generous person is content, hopeful, and excited about life, and the person who is not is very self-centered. This isn't religious wisdom. It's real-world, practical wisdom for everyday life that you and I can use in our Christian walk. The more that you give, the happier you will be. It's, a very, it's a scientifically proven that people who are more giving are more happy in life. And the people that hold on to more and more things are more and more, um, they're just miserable. They're more miserable. I don't say people, but they're just more miserable. They're more and more miserable people. They really are, some of them. Here's the bottom line. If you feel like you're missing success in the good, in, or the good in the area of life, let me ask you, what does God's word have to say about it? What does God's word have to say about you raising your children in a standard according to biblical principles? What does God say about reading what you are reading or what you are watching on TV? The things that we put into our mind go into our heart and they come out of our mouth. 
Now that we see the payoff, I want to look at a few practical steps God offers when it comes to His Word. Read God's Word each and every day. Okay, I know we are slow. We're supposed to hear this seven times before we actually capture something. I'm not going to repeat the seven times. Read God's Word every single day. Read God's Word every single day. Okay, if you have a New Year's resolution, read God's Word every single day. Even if it's just one verse in the beginning, read the Word of God. I remember my mom and dad would always make us get together a devotion, 6 o'clock in the morning. We didn't have to go to school until 8 o'clock, but we got up for 6 o'clock devotions, and we were always excited, me and my sister. We were not. We were not. 6 o'clock is way too early for devotions. And I remember my mom and dad reading scriptures, and we didn't, they didn't have a scripture prepared. They'd always go to Psalms 100. Um, worship the whatever Psalms 100 says. <laughs> What's that say? Enter the his gates with thanksgiving and his heart with praise. Thank you, Christy. <laughs> well, I didn't even write that down. I knew I'd have it memorized. Um, but if they didn't have a devotion ready, they would, they would make us memorize Psalms 100, which you can tell 25 years later, I'm still having problems with that one. <clears throat> but read his word every day. Is going to church all we need to be part of a small group? Is going to church all we need or being a part of a small group? I think the Bible makes it clear that we need the word of God every day and not just small groups. Small groups are a beautiful thing. We come together as small groups. We're able to disciple each other, build each other up. We're able to study the word of God. But this is something that you need to do on your own is reading the word of God. I have made a, a, a pact. I've made a vow to God every morning now before I do anything else. I will read the word of God before I look on Facebook, before I look on Instagram, before I look at emails, before I do almost anything else. I will read some scripture before I look at other things. And that's something I have done. And I will tell you my spiritual life has prospered because of that. Even if it's just one scripture, normally it's a couple of chapters or it's a couple of different books or whatever I'm doing that day. Normally I want to start my day fresh with God. There's enough negative crap in the world that I don't want to start. Man, I'm really trying not to say that word anymore, uh, but it's not going to work. <coughs> but I want to start my day off with what God has to say, not what the world has to say. And I don't care what you had for breakfast or dinner. I really don't. Some of the food does look good, though. So Hebrews says, <coughs> we are to read it regularly. Regular practice. The Hebrew in the first sentence literally of this scripture says, Do not let this book depart from your mouth. It should always be on your lips and your thoughts. You should so frequently read it that it's never too far from your mind. Your Bible isn't a book that sits on your car, in your car until Sunday, or an app that only is open, but it's an everyday interaction between you, the living God, and yourself. Amen. To see who God is and to see where you are with God. To be reminded of the truth that you are loved and you are a beloved child of God Almighty. That you are not a worthless piece of trash. The world would have you believe that if you listen to the world. But the scriptures would tell you that you are loved and that you are cherished and that God even likes you. That's what the Word of God has to say. Part of why we need to read the Bible every day is for the instruction. Thank you so much. I get more drinks when I, when I preach. I'm always scared I'm going to knock him over. 
Sometimes in this verse, a translation might be called the book of law, but the book of instruction is a little more better in interpretation. God wasn't telling Joshua to memorize all the lists of the laws. He was trying to tell him to, memorize, to, to, to emulate his life with what the Word of God has to say. Let me ask you a question. And don't, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you guys think the Bible's boring? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> yep. Okay, I'll tell you. There's some Leviticus. It's, Leviticus is hard for me to read sometimes. You know, there's a lot of don'ts. And a lot of those don'ts I don't have problems with. You know, don't sleep with your mama, don't sleep with your sister, so on and so forth. Got no problem with that stuff. Read Leviticus. You want to talk about this is a practical daily application. A lot of us think the Bible, the Bible is boring. That it has no, no effect or no um, persuasion in our lives whatsoever. And I will tell you, there are some beautiful romantic stories in the scriptures. You want to romance, you romanticize your wife? Read some scriptures. You want to see how to be a good friend? Read some scriptures. You want to see the daily application. There is some beautiful thing in the Word of God, and the Word of God is not boring. It is an exciting, exciting book. And if they would truly make a, a, a movie of the Bible, it, it would be a rated R movie because the violence the betrayal, and all the stuff that goes on in the midst. It's real life. And sometimes I think we take the Bible and we, we put it over here and we think, it has nothing to do with my life. In all reality, it has everything to do with your life. Every time I see someone in the Scripture, I see that person as myself. Man, I've done that. I've said that. That was stupid. I did that one too. You know, you, I see myself in the scriptures. And it's beautiful because I'm able to relate. Now, this is not just a book written 2,000, 4,000 years ago, but it's something very applicable for my life today. So how can we use God's words every day? Make a plan to read God's word every day. It won't happen by accident, but you have to be thoughtful. You have to do it. You have to write on your calendar, your, your, out, your, your, uh, your phone that gives you the, the, um, the, t the reminder. You have to make a plan to read the Bible, to study God's Word. Otherwise, everything else is going to become more important. Everything else. And moms, I understand, man, little, little ones, you need to spend time in God's Word too. So if you need to get a babysitter, you tell your husband, hey, watch the kid for just 30 minutes so you can study the scriptures. That's what you need. Mom, my, my heart's go out for you because, uh, quick, quick story, not in my notes. Sophia, my granddaughter, came over. Lori was out of town. Denny said, hey, Dad, can you watch her overnight? Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time. She's two months. I said, sure, bring her over. How hard she can she be? I've done this before. So bless uh, um, Shanti's heart. She helped me. I said, Shanti, it's like 12 o'clock at night. I said, Shanti, you just hold her for like an hour. Give me a, give me an a, a nap, and I'll, then I'll be up. So 3 o'clock comes around, the baby's crying, I'm trying to find her, I can't find her, she's in the car seat right there, uh, and I'm thinking, I, I told Lori, I said, moms need a break too, you truly, truly do, and now the, my goal of adopting any more kids is off the record, I do not want to adopt any more kids, uh, any more babies, 
Uh, going through one night of a baby is, is enough for me for a while. But make a plan. Choose a reading plan. There are so many different apps out there that have a reading plan about the Word of God. PursueGod.org has a, a great reading plan uh, to, to read through the Scriptures. Go New Testament, Old Testament. If you have some, if what you want to read, the first, second, third Johns are a great book. The book of James, first and second Timothy. All the uh, all the letters written by Paul are beautiful books. Start with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Um, great books to start out with your Bible reading. You don't have to go Old Testament yet, but there's great Old Testament stories as well. Um, do whatever it takes to get into God's Word. And I, I got to go quicker here. So, <laughs> I know we're... You know, here, here's the thing. In the old times, in the biblical times, they preached for hours and hours and hours. And I think we should be a biblical church. So just with three-piece suits, that's true too. Man, they don't talk to you like they talk to me during my sermon. <clears throat> All right, so uh, let's go on. Think deeply about God's word, what God's words mean for you. You get a lot of emails. We all get tons of emails. A lot of people, I try to read my emails really fast to see what's important and what's not important. What's junk, what's spam, so on and so forth. But I tell you, when you read the Word of God, you can't skim the Word of God. You really need to read it and look to see what God's words has to say to you and what it means to you as well. You don't read it like a blog to find out new interesting points. You read it to make an impact upon your life. I put on my Facebook page yesterday, I got a, uh, Lori and I received a letter from Spencer. Um, first time we have heard from Spencer, uh, thank goodness Sergeant Carter here, and he, he told Spencer he needs to write his mom and dad. Uh, but we, when we read this letter yesterday, I think Lori and I read that letter five or six times, just to see how he's doing, see what he needs, see if everything's okay, see what the issues are. And it's a very short letter, and he's definitely got my handwriting, and um, it's, a, it's something that I will ponder on until probably I die because of the importance of communi him communicating to us, letting him know he's all right, he's enjoying it, and it's not as bad as he thought it was going to be. Those are the, 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 the captures I got. It's not something I just skim through and just kind of look for the high part, highlights of the, oh, it's not about me, it's not about me, it's not about me. It's about him. I wanted to know who, what he was doing, what he was going through what the circumstances are. And when my friends, when we read the scriptures, that's how we look for it. We look to the scriptures. Not necessarily it's about me, but who God is to us. And when we really are able to focus upon that, we're able to do some beautiful, beautiful things. God's able to speak to us. And my friends, I want to tell you, I, I pray to hear God's voice every day. Amen. I want to hear the verbal voice of God. And there are days that I, I, I don't, but I know when I hear, when I read the scriptures, he is speaking to me. You want to know what you're supposed to do in life? Read the scriptures. You want to know what your next obstacle, your next move in life? Read what God has, to, has in store for you. God's got a plan. Study this book of instructions continually. Meditate it on day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then you'll prosper and succeed. The command is to meditate gives us a sense of how to read the Bible. When you hear the command to meditate, you think of all kinds of woohoo, new age stuff today. It's not sitting in a position and chanting. 
but it's meditating upon what the truths of the Scripture. Meditating according to the Word of God is not emptying your mind, but filling your mind with the Word of God. It is not releasing all the stress and not thinking about anything at all and chanting, but it's thinking about who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. That is meditation and what the Word of God means. There's many ways to meditate upon the Word of God, but it simply means to think deeply about what the Scriptures have to say. Now, I'll tell you, my friends, we live in a society today, it's very hard to just sit still, isn't it? It's very hard just to think about what's going to be happening next. And so it takes discipline to meditate upon the Word of God. Recently, around Christmas, we spent some time meditating on the facts that the name of Jesus means Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us. We spend time, it means that when Jesus is on earth, he's God in flesh. God, the creator of the universe, came to earth, and it's pretty incredible thinking that Jesus came as a baby. Baby, It's a powerful statement about who Jesus is. That Jesus walked on this earth, and the scripture says he was tempted in every way which is common to man. Yet he was without sin. Do you realize that means that Jesus is tempted in every way? that you and I are tempted today, but he had the ability and the authority not to sin. Because there are times that we think, well, Jesus is a, he's, he's God, he's almighty, he had no issues, so on and so forth, but he would have the ability to say no. And that gives me someone to look up to, because he's gone through what we have gone through. I, I just, you ever think Jesus wanted to talk back to his mom? He didn't. You know, could you imagine being Mary or Joseph? Hey, Jesus, go do that now. Man, I just find that interesting, some of the things that they went through, speaking to God in flesh. To me, that's something I've been pondering a lot about. I don't know what you think, that God only wants you to become a student of learning about the Bible. He wants you to act upon it as well. You know, there's a lot of people today who who know the scriptures very well, who, who don't do much. And that's just, we are to be doers of the word too. James tells us that don't just see the word and hear the word, but do the word of God as well. And not just during Christmas time. Not during just Christmas time. It's not the time we're supposed to be just giving during Christmas and looking out for the poor and the widows. But it's an everyday practice that we as Christians are supposed to do. And sometimes I think we forget that. Because if this is the Christmas season, this is the time we do it. No, it's every day we do it. Every day we are doing the Word of God. Do what God's words have to say. I'm sorry, do what God's Word says to have a successful life. The end game for us isn't just to know about a lot of stuff about the Bible. The most important step is to actually do what it says and live a life close to God. I was going to bring up some letters last or this morning from Lori. I've got, I, I'm not a sentimental guy. Uh, I guess I'm becoming more so now. And my, my, my thought process is, my family doesn't agree. You don't use something in 30 days, except for guns. You should just get rid of it. Okay. So if, if something's around the house and you haven't used that thing for like 30 days, why have it? it? It should be gone. Just get rid of it. If you need it again, go Walmart, buy it again. That's my thought process. Uh, 
My family does not agree with that, okay? So we definitely need some counseling after service. Uh, but what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that there are things in our lives that are important, but also there are things in our lives that are not important. And that the clutter of our lives get in our way of our relationship with God. Because we feel like we have to do this and this and this in order to have a great relationship with God. So with those letters, uh, I, was, I started reading one last night. It was from 1997, and Lori was writing me a letter. And I was going to share a little of it, but she, she didn't want me to. And so with, with that letter, it's a, it's a precious letter. Um, there's a part that I got in trouble in the letter because um, I'm a guy. I try to solve the problem. And uh, that hasn't changed over years. But the thing is, I, my wife's heart has changed over the years. And our relationship has gotten deeper and stronger. And the beautiful thing about the scriptures are, is that your love for God will deepen and will get stronger the more time you spend time with your father. The more time I spend with my wife, my kids, my friends, I begin to know who they are. I begin to realize their thought process and their actions. And I can, a lot of times with you, I spend a lot of time with you, I can normally kind of predict, with, predict what's going to take place because I spent time with you. Same way in our relationship with God. The more time we spend in our relationship with God, the more that we're able to know what God wants from us. And I want to establish this, that you're, this is about a relationship with God. It's not about following rules and procedures. It's not about following the instructions, but it's about loving God for who He is. Every wedding has, um, um, every wedding has um, vows and expectations. You expect things from your wife. You expect things from your husband. Some of those are unspoken expectations. Some of them are spoken expectations. And the thing is, when you're able to I don't, let me tell you this. I don't love my wife because she cooks food for us. She's an awesome cook. Love her for that, though. But it's not why I love her. I don't love my wife because she raised my children, our children. I love my wife for who she is as a person. And all those things that she does, I love them. But that's not because of why I love who she is. I love her because she's Lori Jane. Same way with God. He loves you, not because you are keeping his laws, but he loves you for who you are. Do you realize if you stray from the word of God, you're going to have consequences? Plain and simple. I mean, if you stray from the word of God, you are going to have consequences. So there's a lot of instructions on the word because he wants the very, very best way, the very best life possible. God wants us to put practice what he teaches. We are to live it out and we are to obey it. We got just a couple more word, a couple more slides and we're done. Now, now tell Joshua 1:8, say the Bible or say the book of instruction, meditate it on a day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything in it. Only then you will prosper and succeed in all you do. Success for Joshua didn't come in knowing God's word. He needed to be prepared to obey everything Christ and God taught. 
That was a standard. I will tell you this. Okay, this is, this is free. I think, I don't want to, this is it. I believe we live in a society today where we are told from the church, all you have to do is say a simple prayer when you're four or five and you're good for the rest of your life. Just accept Jesus and, and everything is fine. Okay, that, that's true. But the Bible says, be doers of the word. Okay, let me, let me paraphrase this. I don't get in trouble. I don't believe in working for your salvation. I only believe that Jesus died upon the cross and his blood carries, covers all our sins. Okay, let's establish that. But I believe we live in a society where we think we can say a prayer when we're five or six, ask Jesus into our heart, and live the rest of the, our lives the way we want to live and have no relationship with God. I think we live on a very scary, people who do that live on a very scary path of a false salvation. Amen. So I don't want you to, I don't want you to think, oh, I got to go to church every Sunday. No, you don't. Just every other Sunday, then you got to be there. No, no. I'm, I shouldn't joke right now. I'm sorry. I'm not saying that we have to earn our salvation. I'm not saying that at all. But if you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, then you're not saved. If I, if I did not do things for my wife because I loved her, then we would not have a good relationship. And the same thing, I'm going to obey the scriptures. I'm going to obey the commandments. Every commandment, not because, not because it's based on my relationship, but because I want to know who God is and I want the best in my life. And I don't want you to think that since I said this prayer so, so many years ago, you can live your life and you have the license of sin and you're able to do all this kind of um, hectic, crazy stuff and that in the end, that preacher is going to preach you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Biblical Christianity says, be holy because I am holy. Obey. And not just obey, but be obedient to the word of God. And my friends, it's so easy just to come to church. I'm saved. I, 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 I listen to whatever I want. I, I act out sexually. I go commit adultery. I, I, I lie. Whatever it is that we have issues with on a continual basis, if you are not living the Word of God, if you are not trying to get closer to God, then I really have issues with who our relationship with is God and how the church is preceding this and, and presenting the Word of God. If you just think I can just say a prayer and I'm good to go, then I want to talk to you. Because let me tell you, my friends, it, the Scripture tells us to work out your salvation with trembling and fear, knowing who God is, knowing that He is a holy God, knowing that at any moment He could strike us down. Ananias Sapphira, complete the book of Acts, awesome story. Ananias for Sapphira sold a piece of property. They sold a piece of property. They brought it to, um, um, they brought it to the apostles. They said, hey, we, this is the land that we sold. This is the money. Uh, actually, one person was just with them in the very beginning. The, the husband was. And he lied to the apostles. He lied to the Holy Spirit. What took place? He dropped down dead. I love this story, but also it hurts my heart as well. And so they take the guy's body. They go out. They bury him. And then the wife comes in and says, hey, is this the, property, is this the money that you sold the land for? And she said, yes, that's what I sold that for. And this, is, well, this is what we're giving to you. And it's interesting, just the guys that just buried her husband, came back into the building. 
The apostle says this, the people who just buried your husband is going to bury you now, not because you lied to us, but because you lied to the Holy Spirit. And she dropped down and she died. That was the first mark against the church. That was the first huge issue, scandal, that took place in the church. You see why God thinks lying and integrity is such a huge deal. Because it's who we are in Christ Jesus. And my thought process is, do you think the church would be a lot less full of people if people were dropping down dead when they lied? Our attendance would be probably bad. I'm not saying you all are liars. I'm not saying that. But the Word of God is something not to be trifled with, but something to be honored and treasured. Okay, let's go to one more scripture, James chapter 1, verse 22. One of my favorite books of the Bible, as I've said probably several, several times before. It says, listen to the Word of God. Don't just listen to the Word of God. Do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. If you know a lot about the Bible but aren't doing what it says, then you are only fooling yourself. In doing God's Word, you will find true, true joy and true happiness. As we look forward to this new year, it's time to make a new plan for the year. What if one of our plans is to read the Scriptures every day? And I challenge you to do that. What kind of difference would that make in your life and in your family to talk about the Scriptures? How much more would you see God's work in your life? How much more would you know about God and what He thinks about your life and what you are doing on a daily basis? The good news is that you can experience all these blessings this year. By what? By reading the Word of God. Very simplistic, my friends. You want to hear the voice of God? Read the Scriptures. You want to know the heart of God? Read the Scriptures. You, know what you're spo- you want to know what you're supposed to do tomorrow? Read the Scriptures. And friends, maybe you've never had the ability to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. We're going to invite the worship team up, and they're going to uh, lead us in worship. But my prayer is, maybe, maybe you need to submit your life over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Maybe you have never don't even know what the Bible is. Maybe you don't even have a Bible. And my friends, we will hook you up. We will get you a great study Bible. We will get you a Bible that you can read and understand. But if you've never made that decision to follow Christ... I pray that during the end of the service, you would come over to the prayer room and you would just say, I need to accept Christ in my life. I need that relationship of God's blood covering me with it holy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day, Lord. Lord, I thank you, God, so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, for speaking to it, speaking to us. Lord, I thank you that you don't just leave us blind. And God, I'm so very thankful that the Bible has proven to be true through archaeology digs, through, through just all the things that are going on, Lord, that every time they dig something up, it confirms that the Word of God is true. Lord, confirm in our hearts, Lord, that you are real, that you are true, and that you are good. Lord, bring that relationship to each person here in our room today. Lord, let them be studiers of the Word of God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.